0: Welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast, where every week we talk about the fitness matters that matter to you. I'm Paula B., YouTuber, certified life and weight loss coach, soon to be author, and your best middle aged fitness friend. Are you ready to talk about the fitness mindset that matters to you? Me too. Let's go! Okay, hello, hello, and welcome to the Fitness Matters Podcast with Paula B. That's me. You guys, this is episode number 221, which is the book club episode in partnership with Chirp Audiobooks. Now, for my friends who don't know, Chirp is an audiobook retailer that offers all kinds of books, not just the self-help books that we read around here, but all kinds of books for really steep, limited time discounts. And this month we have been reading How Emotions Are Made by Lisa Feldman Barrett. And today I have invited my friend, Sally, to join us for our conversation. Hello, Sally, thank you so much for being here today. Hello, Paula. How are you today? How are you feeling today? How am I
1: feeling today? Excited.
0: Good. uh,
1: and for those who read the book, I'm I'm trying to get my butterflies to fly in formation.
0: I love it. I love it. So you guys, by way of introducing Sally, I'm going to tell you a story that I had been talking. I think I had already mentioned this book on the podcast, but I actually don't remember that. And Sally, you can correct me if I'm wrong. But we, uh, Sally is a member of the Get Your Goal group, which is my private membership group. And we have a meeting, like a group coaching meeting once a week. Um, and I was, I mentioned the book and I think I even mentioned it in passing and Sally like held up the book and she was like, this is the book, this is the book we're reading. And I was like, literally here in her hands. (laughs) So, so I had this, this immediate sense of this is somebody who needs to come on the podcast and talk about this book with me. So So Sally, tell me me the story of how this book came to be in your possession, because I happen to know that it wasn't because we were reading it for this book club. So how and why did you come across this book?
1: Well, I I mean, the simple answer is I saw a a TED talk on YouTube by Lisa Feldman Barrett and thought, that sounds really interesting. Oh, there's a book. That sounds like an interesting book. in a sense you're involved in why I actually rather than just oh that's interesting and, and carry on actually bought the book um and put it at the top of my reading pile and actually read it because I I do have quite a big stack of books to read yeah, don't worry. um so it kind of it got to the, to the top of that because really I was I was just at the point where I wanted what this book was offering which was basically a sort of a uh, a, a different view of what are your emotions and where do they come from, and it, it just sounded just to say. And at that, that particular point, I'd been, you know, enjoying your podcasts, getting an awful lot from them, um, but still was. It's it's like I, I'm a very um, theoretical person. I like to know the the, the theory, the why behind yeah. the, this works, and you're very much giving me, Well, this works. know i've done that this works this
0: actually works for me so here you are have this thing so how did you get this book because i think um, i had it in my mind that you got it oh okay so in my mind i constructed the theory that you had somehow bought it like when it first came out because i think this book came out in like maybe 2016 it was it was several years ago i do know that oh so this was a more recent purchase okay so Okay, so I always start the conversation, and you guys in the chat, I definitely want to hear from you. I think I know the answer, but I'm going to go ahead and ask you anyways. Did you like the book, Sally?
1: <laughs> what a strange question. Yes, I did. Okay. I mean, having said that, I mean, I, I, I'd say I love the book, um, but I've also wrestled with it. I mean, it hasn't. It's, it's not just been entirely. Oh, everything here is wonderful and perfect, and I understand it first time and. And find that in some parts were like that, and the whole idea of, of emotions being something we create was just an absolute aha for me, yeah. because I was well versed in the in the more traditional view that um, you know I'm a human being and I've got this rational side that's fighting my emotional beast that wants to run amok, and if I'm realistic about it, I was recognizing more and more that actually that's not how I am. I mean, I have plenty of arguments, but there's thinking on both sides yes, and feelings on both sides of yes. the argument. So yes. how is it, it's not, you know, one part of me isn't a beast at all. So how does that work? So I'm really much just waiting for this, well, some other other way of looking at that whole thing.
0: Yes. And that's uh, that's actually a lot how I felt about it too. And I'm reading the chat and it looks like, I mean, Jay says, "I loved it putting the theories into practice in the moment. Being in charge of the construction is the hard part. Absolutely, and we're going to talk about that. Don't you worry." And um, Amanda said it was interesting and so full of information. It was a lot to digest. Geraldine says, "You know, I'm very thankful as I'm glad to have read it and never would have finished it without the book club." I agree. Um, Julie says, "I couldn't finish it way over my head. I I wanted to tell all of you really uh, quite a few I couldn't finish it and this was this was a big book. I." I want you guys to know when I chose this book, I had not looked at it at all, which is, which is something I'm going to do going forward. I'm actually really enjoying being surprised by the book. The very first month when we read the menopause manifesto, I had already read the book and then I listened to the book and then I you know, gave it to all of you. So I was like really in that book. The second book I had heard of for years and years and years, had it recommended to me, Brene Brown's book, had it recommended to me numerous times, but had never read it. This one, I had never even heard of it before Chirk came to me and was like, hey, here's some options. What do you think about these? And I was like, sure, we'll go with that. I actually really liked that. I, in my mind, came to this book like, okay, I'm going to read this book and I'm going to like understand it. And then I'm going to like come here on the podcast and like have a a real dissection of all the theories in it and really talk about it. I got about three pages in and I was like, oh yeah, you know what? I'm going to read this like a novel and I'm just going to see what my brain holds on to. (laughs) I I will be completely honest. I didn't understand some of it. Like I'm going to say a fair bit of it was like, I need to. I need to read that again. I need to absorb that again. I had a couple of big key takeaways, which is what I allowed myself to do, and there were also lots of details that I was like, I, I I didn't get that. I didn't get that at all. So I'm very curious, Sally, that you said that it took you a while to kind of absorb it too. I think. I mean, you're one of the smartest women I know. So I'm. I'm intrigued by the fact that because I. Okay, you guys. I don't know. Sally has them next to her here right now, but she has pages and pages of notes on the book, (laughs) exactly, so, so I know how much she like absorbed this and really took it in and really like got the science of it and everything, and in fact, even um, said that loved listening to it and wouldn't have done so well with a physical copy. That's interesting because I actually think a physical copy could have been helpful because apparently there were lots of diagrams, uh, which of course, we didn't get to see you know in listening to an audio.
1: there's one diagram I'd like to try and share share here. Um, if we get time, there's one okay. diagram I would like you all to see.
0: okay, because uh, so so from your from your taking it in, because I know that you have both read the book and listened to the book. did you make it all the way through the audio? No, okay. no. Uh, at least part of the way. Okay. Cause I am, I am yeah. very curious about the difference between listening to it via audio or reading it on paper. And I, for the third month in a row, I can see myself wanting both copies. Like I, I loved listening to it for a lot of reasons And I can see how referencing it again, and this feels like a very reference it again kind of book. I can really see how referencing it again might be better done visually than whatever that word is. Auditorially, I think is the word. Um, Oh, and Lori says the narrator was okay, but a bit too acty. I find that so fascinating because that was actually gonna be my next question to you. How did you feel about having the book narrated by somebody who wasn't the author I'm very curious about that what did you think Sally I have opinions but I'm going to ask you first
1: well I mean I've actually heard quite a few of uh, Lisa Barrett, Barrett's uh, podcasts so I kind of had her voice in my head oh as she has a a podcast, reference.
0: go ahead and tell us the name because I didn't know she had a podcast well,
1: not not her own podcast but she's oh. she's been guesting all over the place oh. she's her website her website she got a website um, which I can't remember, but we can obviously get that. Yeah. Um, and it's got a page of every podcast she's on. Oh, been on. okay. Um, and some of some are subscription only, but quite a few
0: are out there and you can listen to them. So, yeah. So was it jarring um, for you to have, like to recognize her voice and know, and then know that this wasn't her voice? Oh, thank you. Well, Trisha. in the chat, it's LisaFeldmanBarrett.com. Thank you. Lisa yeah. Tricia
1: um not wanting to offend my american friends but but to me her her accent was kind of similar i mean that's very very broad so because her accent was kind of similar i could i could find it acceptable i think okay. if, she, if she'd been but it wasn't it I think if I'd been listening, if listening was the first time I met the material, then yeah, absolutely that the first eight chapters would have just flowed past in a novel kind of way. And I think I might have enjoyed it, but I certainly wouldn't wouldn't have got as much from it as I did from reading. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, well, and that's I mean, and I think that's why I allowed myself to truly just listen to it as a novel, because. I mean, I, I can learn by listening. I'm very capable of that. And I can learn by reading. And so I I can see how having both of those would be in my favor for this particular kind of material, though. Because there was a couple times later in the book when she would reference something, you know, from chapter one, which she did numerous times in the late chapter. She's like, oh, yeah, back in chapter one, when we talked about it, and I'm like, that was three weeks ago when I was listening. Like, I would love to just like flip back and be like, wait, what? But really specifically, the reason I ask about having somebody who is not the author read, there were so many personal stories in this book where she says, I and me and my "my" daughter and all that. And every time, you know, the narrator said it, I was like, but that's not you. That's not your daughter, Sophia. (laughs) So for me, I found I found her voice to be quite lovely, like I really enjoyed it very easy to listen to but there was just that half a second of but wait that's not you, every time she told a personal story which Mm -hmm. I thought was really interesting. Um, Amanda says that I watched a few of her TED talks and the narrator did not change my perception of the content. Oh, that's really interesting. I would not have finished the book if I had been reading the actual book. (laughs) I think, well, okay, you guys, I I think part of, because there's quite a few didn't finish it or or couldn't finish it. I do think some of that was truly our, our time constraint here. I mean, I just started talking about this a month ago, having, having only a month to go through some pretty dense Concepts and some like for some of us. I mean, for some of us, this is like really brand new information. I, I have I have delved into this world before. Um, there was a book that I meant to look up the author of so that I could recommend it to you. When you watch the replay, I'll have it in the show notes or the description box. I read a book a couple of years ago about um, a neuroscientist who was looking for a fingerprint for um, sociopathy, like for sociopaths. And and so he was doing MRIs on all these brains and things like that. And so the first part of his book was all about how there is absolutely no such thing as a fingerprint for any kind of emotion. And so the first, what, like two or three chapters of this book was was really, really similar. Come to find out, I'm gonna spoiler alert this for you because it it really is the whole point of the book. But so this neuroscientist who was looking for an MRI like fingerprint of sociopathy, turns out he's a sociopath. (laughs) it was a really, really fascinating look into people who basically don't have emotions, which was kind of, I thought it was really interesting having read that book and then contrasting it with this one where she was looking to find emotions the same way that he was looking for like an absence of emotion and come to find out that the way the brain works just isn't, it just isn't like that. So, so coming back to, to you and your experience with it, Sally, how, how many times have you read this book? I mean, at least partially through audio, but how many times have you read the physical copy? Twice. Okay. Twice. Okay. So did you,
1: I, know, I went back and read it when
0: I knew I was doing this. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, so you took all those notes the very first time through.
1: Yeah.
0: Oh, so you did come to it like, here's here's how I'm going to learn from this and and then okay so then on subsequent reading did you read it more like a novel like this is just refreshing or or do you you ever let yourself read like that
1: it varied there's some chapters I I kind of really enjoyed so much that I that I wanted the detail another time around okay um I think the I mean the, the the big major part of the book the, the first seven eight chapters is very much her laying out her theory and justifying it mm-hmm. and kind of so in that sense you can kind of let that go over you and just pick a few points or you can look at the detail i mean it's funny first reading through i didn't quite realize how um how many of the of big names she was actually going against <laughs> and the, and second reading it was like oh yeah she kind of debunks, debunks Darwin, yes. debunks I Daniel, Daniel. Jimmy. <laughs> I mean, like, she, she, she goes for it. And I kind of, I like that kind of courage. Yeah. You know, I like that kind of, she's up front and she's going for it. And it's all there. I, I mean, for those who haven't, didn't carry on to the end, I'd almost say,
0: yeah.
1: go back, go back to chapter nine. Yes. And go from chapter, or if you didn't make it to chapter nine, start from chapter nine. Yeah and listen to it forward because then what she's doing is she's she's taking the theory and she's applying it to real life um in all kinds of controversial ways so you know some of it's really really speculative and that's fine it's just it's just fun because she's saying look if if you start seeing humanity you start seeing the world in this way then these are all the things we ought to be looking at differently from legal systems to health um, and to a small amount of self help, you know, what can we do for ourselves? So yeah, if if you didn't make you didn't make it all the way through the technical argument, yes. if you like, it's, then it's, read the you know go back, go go back and have a go
0: at the rest. Yeah, and uh, that's pretty much that's almost exactly the advice that I was going to offer as well because the first easily the first half of the book really was very like sciencey and the theory and it was it was very dense. And then the second half, which was probably only the final third, was like, "Oh my gosh, this is how it affects me every day." Oh my gosh, this is how it affects me every day. Oh, my, like it was, it was, it was mind blowing, truly, in a lot of ways. Because, and I understood. I mean, I understand why she had to do that. Like, why she had to lay out, "Here's what we have thought for you know hundreds of years," and "Here's why this is so different." And I'm, I'm actually really curious. Um, you know, come answer it in the chat. Had you ever thought about emotions this specific way before? I know that it's something akin to what I talk about, about how you are the creator of your own emotions by, you know, you create them through thought. But I'm curious if if the science therefore also made sense. Or if this whole thinking of, wait a second, what do you mean emotions aren't like the same for everybody? Like, of course, death is sad. Of course, you know, war is, is terrible and all those kinds of things. Like, like, was this a novel experience to even think about emotions like this? I, I feel like I feel like those of you who listen to the podcast and maybe are kind of familiar with the things I talk about might have at least laid the groundwork for it. But I am really curious if it felt like, like brand new information. And so therefore, Sally, I'm, I'm curious for you, how long had you, well, I'm going to say known <laughs> that, that your emotions are an inside job as opposed to, you know, so-and-so made me mad or, you know, this hurt my feelings. Like, like when, did, when did that realization come to you?
1: Ooh, tricky one tricky one you don't have to
0: give me an exact
1: date but I mean was it it, it, it... as an inside job I mean that was more clearer from listening to your podcasts I think I would say that that laid those seeds I mean I'd certainly you know read a a fair amount of self helpy life coaching things Mm -hmm. over over many years and always run aground on the emotional side because I was not getting it in the way that they simply portray it, and it was really the mindset work which which you're putting out in your podcast, which was suddenly making a lot more sense to me. And then, of course, you, you get involved with you and you find that you're saying, "Well, I feel your feelings as well," yeah. Which was like, <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll find a book about that. We will, I promise. <laughs> like, well, this ah, this, <laughs> I, this is this does include it. I mean, for me. Because, you know, as you know, the the feeling my feelings part of of the work has been the far tougher part for me than finding my thoughts has been. Um,
0: For so many of us. I mean, thinking, thinking comes much easier to me, too. It really does. (laughs) And hearing the thoughts comes much easier to me. It really does.
1: And, you know, although I was prepared to accept you your word in terms of, you know, feel your feelings. It's good for you. it kind of helped that this book actually does say there's neuroscience behind that. Mm-hmm. Because I had, there's always a part of me that thinks, well, okay, feel my feelings. Why do I want to do that? <laughs> why do I want to do that? You know, somebody's telling me doing it, but do it, but why do I want to do that? And actually it is covered in the book, but it, there's so much else in there you could easily miss that actually, it, it neuroscience actually justifies
0: mm-hmm.
1: feeling your feelings. As well, much as finding the course.
0: and I felt like, and again, because it was slightly repetitive for me personally, having read that other book a couple of years ago, I felt like she spent a lot of time working on the debunking versus the explanation of her theory, and I, I thought that was particularly interesting because honestly, in in some ways, I mean, yes, like I said, it was was slightly repetitive for me because I had read that other book, but I was wondering for somebody who came at this essentially blind, was it almost confusing to be like, wait a second, so here's this theory over here that I don't know. (laughs) And then now here's this theory over here that she's purporting that I also don't know. And so I'm kind of trying to learn both of them. And then she's explaining that this one is better and this one is like, I even found myself kind of feeling that way again in the later chapters when she would reference it again, and it was like, okay, now wait a second, what are all the tenets of, you know, the essentialism theory versus her constructed theory? And I, it was, it was very interesting to me how much, like, how much language you had to learn to even understand what she was talking about. And um, and Geraldine says, I wish she had done a summary of things. I, Geraldine, I don't know if you made it all the way through, but she kind of did, right? I mean, literally, like the last three pages was more of a summary. And I was like, ah, here we go. This is what I've been waiting for. I, I, could have, I could have used a little more cliff notes maybe in the middle before we got on to some of the practical application. Um, and Lori says, her theory is pretty simple if we weren't basically all drowning. In essentialism, even if we didn't have a name for it, exactly, exactly, which it kind of leads me to my next question about what, what did, well here, let me ask a, a really broad question, and for everybody in the chat as well, what would, what do you think was your, like, if you had to pick one, like, biggest takeaway from the book, what do you think is, like, the thing, maybe that you found the most surprising, or just that felt the most relevant to you personally? It, it
1: would probably be just the the, the, the theory of constructed emotion
0: yeah you know, that that, constructing that, emotion versus it, sensing it from you're, you're, like
1: you're, you're 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 constructing what you're constructing is your own you're you're informed by the culture you're in and the people that raised you and all those things contributed to it yeah. but at the end of the day you're not drawing on sort of genetic givens and foundations, you're drawing on something that you're making, and up to, from a day-to-day sense, moment-to-moment sense, you're remaking it live as you go. Which
0: I found that fascinating too, and I honestly, I didn't, I know she said it numerous times, but I didn't quite get that until I was almost done with the book, and she said it what must have been the fifth or sixth time, and maybe that's what did it for me finally, but I was just like, oh, none of this is static, which again is something that I do talk about. And and she didn't specifically use the word neuroplasticity. That is the way that I've always heard it, that you can reshape and reform your thoughts and your feelings, reform your brain. And I, when she said it, it was just like, Oh, it's true. There is no such thing as like in a nugget happiness, happiness I mean I hate to say happiness doesn't exist but like like, there's no nugget of happiness that is the same for every person or the same even for you every time and just even the thought that that we are constructing happiness every single time we feel it I agree that was completely mind-blowing to me Um, and, uh, Amy said that the most relevant for me was the idea of the importance of our individual contexts in creating what we understand to be a feeling totally, totally agree. And for those of you who didn't make it all the way through the book, I was either chapter eight or chapter nine, when she talks really specifically about the legal system and about how we are all trying to basically apply our own thinking about our own feelings to other people and and how far reaching those consequences are cat says that the takeaway is you have the ability and responsibility yes 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 absolutely love that um laurie said that the idea of emotional granularity and that i can create emotions that fit my needs and goals if i'm aware enough yes i love that let's actually let's actually talk a little bit about emotional granularity because i i understood that concept, kind of. And also, I think that was one of the things that I, I might have struggled with, not the most, but one of the most things, because thinking about thinking about my own feelings, about feelings, my own thoughts about my feelings. I I think one of the biggest things that I took away from the book was how different. Everybody's feelings are really specifically the story that I loved was her Dutch colleague who, who didn't understand coming to America and all the, all the feelings that we talk about. And then when she gave so many examples, none of which I'm going to be able to come up with off the top of my head, but so many examples of emotions that exist in other countries, other places, other cultures that we simply don't have here. I, it made me, it it made me feel, (laughs) But I had I had some thoughts about that where I was like, I am not a citizen of the world. I had no idea. I, I really, truly felt that some things had to be universal. And and therefore my emotional granularity, I thought that I was I was pretty good with that, and then come to find out, there are all kinds of emotions that exist that I've never heard of, and that I might never be able to experience, because of my experiences in my culture with my gender and, and all the things that make up me. And I'm curious, Sally, like, what was what was your takeaway? Sorry, I've got a hair on <laughs> <It's> Instagram, <definitely crazy. laughs> But I'm curious what, what your experience was with that. Like, were you aware of, I'm gonna say, a lack of standardization of feelings or was that kind of surprising for you too? It was kind of a relief. Oh, I love that. You know, because uh, it, assuming
1: assuming that, you know, the traditional model that there's all these standard things that we all have, and yet in comparison, real-life experience says, well, actually, no, sometimes, uh, you know, I, I'm sure people are doing or experiencing something which I don't have words for. or So in a sense, to have it like, no, no, it's not universal, but actually, you know, there are these missing bits and pieces because it went along with the idea that you can make up your own words for emotions yeah. i can't she mentioned an author and i i can't remember the name of the author but who actually throughout their descriptive writing does this kind of word construct word construction
0: oh i don't remember what the author mean, author was either
1: yeah yeah i mean she gave the example of, of chiplessness which is that very mixed feeling you get when you've eaten your way to the bottom of the, the, the you know the bag of chips And kind of, or crisps. I'm I'm translating live here, which is is kind of tricky. Um, You know, and that feeling of both disappointment when your your hand's groping and there's not one there, plus that heavy feeling and that guilty feeling, you know, that whole mix that we all associate with having eaten a a large amount of something. Um, And it's that, it's it's, it's kind of that idea in some places, it's found its way into a language that, that we haven't got words for. Yeah, I mean, I think the other thing is because you think, well, is she completely saying there are no there are no common emotions? And actually, she doesn't. She's not because she, what she says is effectively our culture and our situations develop the the, the language and the emotional models that we need. Mm-hmm. And if you think about it, human beings have some pretty common po- problems to solve, you know. So we're all going to have the feeling of. Of hunger and what I'm hungry means we're all going to have the feeling of grief because grief is a very you know it's a common human experience mm-hmm. so there are going to be so you know what we think of as universals kind of they're not inbuilt you don't have to have them mm-hmm. but just experience alone of solving the problem of being a human
0: being with other human beings yeah which I love to generate yeah I loved how she said that really specifically and this was probably this was one of the things that my brain grabbed onto because it's like oh that really does describe everything. The the core problems of being human especially in like a social world is getting along or getting ahead. And I thought that was so fascinating because it really does describe a lot of the feelings that we have and yet um, because she did indeed, I'm going to argue with you. I'm not argue, but I'm going <laughs> to, because, because there was one line that really struck out to me where she said that there is not one single emotion that was found everywhere in the world. Not that, not that we don't have lots of overlap, but like not every single tribe that they had studied or, or society that they had studied felt. And I don't remember if she, it was happiness or anger. Do you do you remember that not everybody it, has a word for happiness, and not everybody has a word no. for anger? Things that I consider like primary emotions are not considered primary other places. Well, there was a—I
1: can't remember—it was a tribe somewhere because obviously the, the westernization of the world I mean we've, we, you know, thank you Hollywood—you've exported, yeah. <laughs> right? you've exported a whole load of a whole load of emotional language. But I think it was a whole tribe who only saw emotions as something to do with the relationship between people that on your own sitting somewhere you you weren't going to be having any kind of emotion yeah
0: so fascinating right (laughs) there was there was a lot of mind-blowing there was I, i felt like when i when i allowed myself to to simply just be immersed in it versus listening to it and thinking to myself, I don't quite get this. I don't quite get this. I don't quite get that got really loud in my head a couple of times where I was like, I I'm kind of following you. And I'm also kind of not, but when I allowed myself to just listen, there were so many moments where I was just like, Oh my gosh, I never thought about it that way before. Oh my gosh. I never thought about that way before. Um, Oh, interesting. Julie said the first few chapters brought up anger for me, remembering going through hours and hours of emotion lessons oh, with my ASD son, the little pics of his face means, the little pics of this face means sad, this shape of mouth in an O and raised eyes means surprised. I kind of had a moment of maybe my son has always sensed emotions on a different level. So so this is super fascinating, Julie, to think, I mean, I, I if I'm gonna hear, here, let me just tell you a little something about what I'm getting out of your message here. I think that the anger might be towards the people who were saying, Oh, here are the, these essentials of emotions. And then I'm wondering if it also kind of brought you a sense of relief, like, Oh, just because he didn't learn it this specific way that, that he still has his own emotional granularity and his own way of thinking about things. And it is him still, I mean, obviously his brain is still constructing emotions and feelings the same way that, that everybody does. That's so, so interesting. Um, And Laurie said, uh, yes, the same. So interesting. And I think that um, having been a preschool teacher, I remember that we had a poster in our room with the the faces. And and I remember actually having a conversation with a child one time and they were like, but not everybody who's happy looks like that. And this was long, long, long before I did any kind of mindset work on anything ever. And I remember being like, oh, yeah, of course, absolutely. That's just one way to, to, to think about happiness. So for me, I think I think I was ready to hear this message about there is no singular fingerprint for what any specific emotion is. I think I had already, already come to at least some of that without ever putting it in words, certainly, but I, I think it was it was really interesting. Like as soon as I found this work, it was like, oh, this makes so much sense. Did you kind of have that sense too, Sally? Like, oh, thank goodness here. Somebody put this into words for me. Yeah, that was exactly it.
1: It was, it was just so nice to have this complete theory, if you like, to replace the classical theory that made so much more sense in terms of all kinds of little, little bits and nuances. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah. So that was that was why i i kind of got so excited and wanted everybody that i knew to read this book you know you've got a brain here have a have a user manual
0: because
1: yeah. because we do carry this this essentialism model even though we haven't got a name for it in our heads for how the world works mm-hmm. because i mean it, maybe it's the obvious way things seem to work but it's also kind of how we're taught and how we're told and how everything is shaped around us. And mm-hmm. Having this other other way of, you no, know, actually things can be constructed dynamically as we go along was just, yeah, it, it was just so exciting and a relief more than anything else. Rather yes. than trying to sort of fit square pegs in a round hole, it's kind of like, oh, no, the, the peg can go over here. Yeah, exactly.
0: Exactly. And I think that's that's how, that honestly, that's how I felt coming to mindset work at all. I mean, truly at all to come from a world where really, I'm just going to go ahead and say everybody, I know it's not everybody, but just bear with me when I say something like that. Like everybody says, Oh, you know, that hurt my feelings or I I just, with giving this example somewhat recently, like I felt so good when we put the Christmas tree away. Like, like we associate our feelings with our circumstances and with other people and with everything that's like literally outside of our control all the time. For me to bring it in house and be like, oh no, 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 this is my own brain. I'm pointing to my heart, but this is my own brain constructing everything I feel to me that just, it felt so empowering, so incredibly empowering that this is not outside of my control since literally everything else is, it was like, oh, now I can do this. But so having said that, I still feel like this is, I mean, as she called it like a revolution, it's still so underground. I mean, people just don't, talk in the general world about emotions like this and so I'm curious when when for those of you who did make it all the way through the book and and Sally really specifically like when you got to Julie says is that a summary of the book emotions come completely from us (laughs) yes she has well she has some theories that that I found slightly more difficult to wrap my brain around. And I really wanted more science, weirdly, even though that was not my thinking in the first half of the book, but I really did want more science as far as how we affect each other's, she puts it the body budget, meaning also your emotions, how we as a group have influence on one another. And I really wanted more explanation of that, but it was it was outside the scope of what she was really specifically talking about. But I'm curious when when she got to the back half of the book and she was like okay so here's how this is this applies to the legal system here's how this applies to for example your pets here's how this applies to like other parts of the world like this isn't just theory this is how this this shows up as essentialism in the world and so I I'm really specifically curious because it was an american book written by an american did the did the chapter on on like the legal system did that have much effect on you or did you kind of turn that around in your mind like yeah this is how we do things here also or how did you feel about that one really specifically
1: well i mean she she used um british law as quite a few of the examples i mean quite a few of her her, her cases were uk cases
0: okay that's which... interesting. i didn't hear that <laughs> isn't that hilarious? I, I was listening to it with my American ears and I heard American stories. So that's so funny that she had British cases too. I'm gonna to listen to it again just for that. Well, it, it was funny
1: because she started by saying, I don't know anything about British law. So, and I kind of thought, well, okay, so why did you bother? You know, why, why reach out so wider? You know, you could yeah. have, you could have stayed, I suppose I'm just used to Americans only writing about America. So I was quite, kind of quite surprised. So uh, I mean, it's only a few case examples. But I mean, that, she, that she mixed in there um i i mean i thought she had interesting things to say i think when she got to the point of you know maybe we abandon the jury system because you know jurors are biased
0: i was kind of like oh whoa hang on whoa right. whoa 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 <laughs> right i that was I, I i had and i'm curious if you felt this way too there were there were lots of it that i was like oh this is really interesting this is really interesting and then she just went like oh, and by the way, this could change literally everything, you know, about everything ever. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I mean, it does, but also, wow, that's, that is big. That really is big to think that, I mean, really specifically here in America, I mean, that's, that's fundamental is our, you know, trial by jury. That's, that's something that we really expect. Well, you could, you, know, you, no, no, you not happening.
1: Let, let's face it. Let's face it, Americans. You did get it from us in the first place. <laughs> <I know. laughs> like, like so many of our good ideas. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> you know, it's uh, it's uh, the whole democ- dem- democracy thing and uh, trouble your peers. It's something we've been we've been doing for a, a while.
0: Yeah, a while exactly. <laughs> so funny though. But okay. And Amy, Amy brought this up too. Like, I did not like that she says that dogs don't have emotions. I. <sighs> she did say she did
1: say though what they do have is affect so do we which is basically the for those of you that didn't memorize her terms um which is which is this mixture of pleasant unpleasant um calm or aroused Mm. which is what kind of gives us our, our our mood in the moment that background feeling of am i comfortable am i uncomfortable am i energized am i relaxed And as she points out, you know, if animals only have, you know, our pets, our dogs and cats only have affect, you can do an awful lot with affect. So, you know, she's not really kind of putting animals aside. She's just saying, look, really, she's saying, look, look what you can do um, just with that alone, without having emotional concepts, because she's not really saying they haven't got emotions. She's quite picky with her language. She she stops, other than the title, emotions isn't used. She quite early on states that there's emotional or emotion concepts. Yes. And throughout she refers to emotion concepts or categories, which kind of a, she flip-flops between the two.
0: And it's really Uh, funny because I hadn't, specifically noticed that and you pointed it out to me just now actually just made something click because it is I mean as she said numerous times in the book language is so important maybe you guys have heard me say that before too language is so important and we I think we all again I'm just going to go ahead and generalize we all talk about emotions as like kind of this one thing this very essentialism thing and she's like No, there's actually more to it. When you pull it apart over here, there's these concepts. And then when you pull it apart over here, there's the affect, there's what you see, that's how you know we behave and the the things like that. And it was like, oh, that is really important to notice the difference because I did notice in that chapter really specifically, she did not have a sentence that said animals don't feel. Like did not say that at all. She implied that they do not have feelings like we do that we attribute to them, but she didn't come out and say. They don't feel, which is okay. So Julie says, "Wait, dogs don't have emotions? I'm out." <laughs> right? <laughs> and Amy says, "No, my dogs have love. They love me, and my cat has a great deal of anger." <laughs> See, and that's the thing. I mean, for me too, honestly, I I anthropomorphize my animals so much. You have no idea. My my animals have big personalities, and they talk all the time, and it's and it's based on just how they're behaving, which is truly, I mean, here, let's bring this back around. This is what we do with people. We're, uh, people are already anthropomorphized, but but we are projecting our own perceptions onto somebody else's behaviors all the time and attributing that to their emotions. But really, all we have is our own. Bringing it back around, okay. Um, And she was talking about the idea of an emotional concept based on them not having human language. And this is, I, I thought that was very interesting too. And I think had the entire book been about animals and emotions, I think there would have been room for a lot more at that point. I mean, what was it? Chapter 11, chapter 12. I mean, we were so far in, I think, I think the, like the back third of the book, she had so many ways that this applies in the world that almost every single one of them could have been a book in and of themselves that I think she kind of just wanted to put it out there like here this is something else to think about here this is something else to think about and then didn't maybe fill it in as much as she would have you know in an entire book by it and actually speaking of that Sally have you read her other I know she's got at least one other book I think it's like seven and a half lessons about the brain or something like that have you read that one as well
1: yes 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 and I was going to say Way back in the chat, some of you are saying, "Hasn't she got a kind of summary or an easier version?" And and seven and a half lessons about the brain. Um, it she describes it as a a a beach read. It's a beach read on neurobiology. I, know, like, so, I don't. I think that's an oxymoron. I really No, don't know. no, seriously, seriously. That's no it's it's written it's written very uh, very lightly. It's almost like it's eight chapters. Okay. It's a small book. Each chapter could read on its own, um, okay. and yet it's kind of a lighter version of what what you might like to know about your brain. Okay. It's not the hard argued kind of academic um, okay. research type of thing at all. So, is it it's only about harder.
0: emotions, or is it about other things as well?
1: It's a, it's it's broadly about your brain. Seven and a half lessons okay. about your brain okay. uh, and how so it it's works. about how
0: we think as well as how we feel and is it about how we behave also i'm curious if we're getting the whole thoughts feelings actions chain in here.
1: <laughs> no it's <laughs> okay. much much lighter and, and, and smaller in that sense okay. so it, it's not it's not a substitute for um
0: oh no no no! i just wanted, i was wondering if we got a little bit about more topics or if it's seven and a half yeah. lessons about the brain regarding your emotions
1: only lightly regarding your emotions okay. because she sort of talks about why do we have brains oh. yeah, why do we have a brain oh
0: fascinating yeah, yeah how
1: how come why weren't what, what's a brain for why do we have one of those yeah. yeah yeah yeah
0: okay that sounds really cool okay I'm going to take this as a recommendation did you like that book as well
1: yes I mean it, it, it was so having having done the other book it was so lightweight there's a part of me thinking yay yes <laughs> so right. I I actually read it and thought, this makes, oh, okay, owning up here. I thought, this makes a really good Christmas present. And I, was, I had a last minute present to do, so I actually gave it away. <laughs> I thought, you never know, I've read this. This looks brand new. So I, I wrapped, it up, wrapped it up and gave it away, <laughs> thinking to myself, I must get round to buying another copy because books don't escape my library very often.
0: Yeah. Oh, that's so funny. I love it. Yeah. I, I will definitely consider reading that as like a, a nice, um, companion piece. I, again, I, my overall takeaway was that I really enjoyed this book. I felt like it corroborated a lot of what I talk about. There were at least two or three times where it was not the book's fault. It was thoughts I was having about the book, about what I was reading, where I was like, Oh my God, everything I've ever said is wrong. I I absolutely felt like some of the things that she talked about were really specifically. I have absolutely 100%. I will own up to this. I have absolutely talked about the prefrontal cortex and the back of your brain, the lizard brain. I have talked about that. And so to find out that neuroscience has really debunked the parts of your brain conversation, honestly, in my mind, I, I don't know that I ever truly believed that you thought some thoughts in one part of your brain and other thoughts in other parts of your brain. I've, I've used those as like a mental model just for here's how you can think about it, but it's not necessarily like literally the science. I, I, I feel like I've been really clear, you guys. I, correct me if I'm wrong, but you know I'm not a neuroscience, right? <laughs> like, like I'm not a scientist at all. <laughs> but the, the point that
1: she makes is that a lot of scientists are still working on the old... You know, triune brain model. Yes, um, well, and 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 the whole load of her colleagues are still racing around trying to find the bit of the brain that does you know the circuit that does such and such a thing. So, yes. I mean, that's why this part of the book was really actually that controversial, because there will be plenty of her colleagues out there kind of going, "No," <laughs> you know.
0: Again, like, that's how I felt, and I'm not her colleague, but I felt that same way. Like, oh, that means that some of the things that I have talked about. Are, are possibly I mean again this was a theory but really possibly incorrect and I really again for those of you who didn't make it all the way through the book just so you know I literally finished the book last night like five minutes before I went to bed <laughs> like I was, I was I was not scrambling because I there have been books that I have read on like 1.1 or 1.2 or possibly even one and a half speed I listened to most podcasts on one and a half speed this one, I absolutely had to read at, or listen to at normal speed because there was so much to take in. But but last night, when like the very, very wrap up of the book, essentially, she says, by the way, again, let me clarify, this is all theory. At some point, every single thing I have said could be debunked when we have better science, when we know more, when we have more... Um, testing available to us at some point in time my theory might sound as you know essential as you know darwin's theory it might sound as basic and tiny and as not all encompassing as something that we look back on and i thought that was a really a very nice way to finish the book because she's basically just saying we don't know everything we can't possibly know everything right now and let's all keep looking. Let's all keep our minds open (laughs) to the ideas that there might be some other way that our brains could be working with this, that this is not everything that we think we know isn't necessarily the answer. And I, I always like it when, when scientists say that, you know, it makes me feel like, like we're all in this together. You know, nobody, nobody has all the answers and some people have some of them, which, which leaves me room at the table. (laughs) some of the answers a little bit. <laughs> oh my goodness. I love it. Trisha said, I thought it fits nicely with the mindset work that you share. And Jay says the same thing that we don't expect you to know the up to the minute science. Thank you. I appreciate that. Cause I would not be able to fulfill that for you. <laughs> we never have all of the answers and I'm a physicist. Oh, Geraldine. So yeah, you, you know, this too as well. I love it. Absolutely love it. Um, Geraldine said the the bits that I found most interesting were her answers to age old philosophical questions such as, do we all see the same colors? Does the tree make a sound? I love that. Those are are conversations that I have had in my own brain and with other people before about how it, it truly is impossible even on the most basic level to know whether or not when you say green, if you're seeing green the way I'm seeing green which obviously you're not because my mother just the other day did this to me. She looked at something on her phone and she's like the green button. And I'm like, that is blue. That is as blue as the sky. Are you kidding me? (laughs) So no, she did not see green. (laughs) So funny. Julie says, I'm glad I came to listen, even though I didn't finish. This was really helpful. Yay. I'm glad. I'm super glad you guys. I, I, here, let me wrap up with with my thinking about this book. I found it to be a dense read. I found it to be immensely enjoyable for the parts that I could I could take in without like thinking too hard about. I also found it to be very thought provoking. Like I would absolutely recommend this book as something to not just sit and enjoy and not just read because you agree with everything and not just read because you disagree with everything, but but to take in and kind of just find a slot for it in your mental model of how how feelings work, how your feelings work, how the world works, how other people's feelings work, all of that. I, I find that to be helpful in that sense. Would, would you agree, Sally, that this just kind of slots in somewhere? Absolutely absolutely does i i and i think it it it,
1: for me it just supports so much of what you do i mean the the chapter nine is kind of as near as she gets to self-help it's the self-help chapter yeah (laughs) and it's it's very theoretical it's not really practical it's saying there's all these kinds of things that might help you but it doesn't go into detail well
0: well it did because she specifically said you should exercise just i'm throwing that out there you guys (laughs) (laughs) <laughs>
1: that was well, my she, part of she, the book. Said, she <laughs> mentioned exercise she mentioned sleep she mentioned uh you know body budget diet basically yeah. eating the right thing yeah. eating healthily <laughs> um and also she mentioned effectively she mentioned managing your mind because what she said was you know you need to deconstruct your emotional concepts mm. and then you can you can rebuild yourself new ones she didn't say how practically how do you do that but yeah, sure of course you you do you see you do so for me I think you know the practical gap of how do we actually do chapter nine well we'll come over and, and, and see Paula because she'll uh, she'll help you out of that
0: one yeah I agree I that was a very nice summary because I do agree that essentially what she says is your feelings are really important and the more you know and understand them the better you'll feel. I mean, she does not actually say that that concisely. That how, how many pages was this book? But that is essentially the message that your feelings are important. They don't come from outside of you. And when you understand them, that it will enrich your experience, your human experience. Absolutely love that. Trisha says, I love the book club. Me too. This and the others have been getting me to think. This is, this is why I'm gonna continue to choose books blindly, you guys. I I like being challenged. I like reading something, going into it, thinking, okay, I think I know what this is going to be about. And then not necessarily having it be entirely different, but just having it be what it is. Just really enjoy that. So, so fun. And in fact, here's the part where I'm going to do my, my final podcast finishing. Here we go. So thank you guys so much for joining me today. So coming up in the month of February, we're going to be reading... Live the Best Story of Your Life by Bob Litwin. I don't have a link to put um, in the chat room here, but when I send out the replay, I will definitely have... um, Well, I'll have a link to Chirp Audiobooks just so that you can go there because, of course, Chirp Audiobooks has this for really cheap this month. It is only $3.99. And if you are brand new to Chirp, you can use the code Paula5, which is P-A-H-L-A and the number five with no spaces, to get $5 off. And I have to tell you, you guys, I know that, um, well, I, I don't know, I If you are new to me, you don't know, but if you've been around for a while, you probably have noticed I don't do a lot of brand deals. I just, I've I've worked with a couple of different companies and I have lots of feelings about them. And I really love working with Chirp, really specifically when we were working together to find the the book. Thank you, Trisha. Trisha, you are just like Johnny on the spot with these links today. Thank you so much. The author of the new book is uh, Bob Litwin, he's apparently this amazing tennis player. And, um, like, a he's, this is going to be a little bit more self-helpy. This is, this is not going to be as densely science. I hope <laughs> we'll see. I'm going into a blind you guys, but so here's what happened. So this book was already on sale and it was only going to be on sale for like another week or so. And then as soon as I said, Oh, Hey, here's this book, the people that I work with at chirp went to the publisher and said, can we please have this on sale? Can we work out a deal with you so that it can be on sale for the entire month of February? Like, Chirp is awesome. They they want to work with me. They want to work with you. They want to give you amazing deals. And frankly, they're just really nice. Like the people that I work with there, they're really nice. So. So if you are a brand new user, you can get the $5 off. If you are not a brand new user, you can get it for 3 dollars If it is not available where you live, honestly, you guys, you never, as you saw in the chat, you don't even have to finish these books. You don't have to read them. You can just come hang out with us. Totally fine. And you can read it any way that feels best to you because that really is, it's one of my favorite parts of this conversation when we talk about the difference between reading and listening and how, how that affects you and how you absorb the material. Super, super fun, you guys. So many thank yous to everybody, to Sally. Thank you so much, Sally. So, so appreciated having you here today. Thank you everybody for being here today. So much fun. Um, I don't think I told you, the next live, do I have my calendar here? I do, it's gonna be the last Sunday in February. Don't mind me looking at my calendar. I'm already on March. That's how far ahead I'm planning. The 27th, Sunday, the 27th of February. And when I hand out the replay, I will have a link to register because I do like it when you guys register. That way I let in only people who are actually here for the book club as opposed to, you know, riffraff. (laughs) You guys, thank you so, so much for being here. I'll see you next time. And let's get your goal.